Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm too coolog for the gulag. See, this is what happens when we run out of ideas. <laughs> it it happens quite quite a lot. I mean I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm Britain. <laughs> Can't follow that. <laughs> I mean, hey. So what you're saying is you're not too coolog for the gulag. No, 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 no. No. I am I am right at gulag level of, of coolness. <laughs> <laughs> I am right, right on the right on the money. Uh, so, we, with all that talk, we must be discussing like No Time to Die, some sort of like action uh, release, some sort of you know Soviet spy John le Carré kind of situation, right? Yeah, you know, I I think it. I think I, I would like to point out that for the most part, I am not the one who keeps bringing up No Time to Die. <laughs> it's like every week I I'm st- I start to forget. I'm like maybe. It's out of my head. It's not something I need to be concerned with. And then just when I thought I was out, they bring me <laughs> I, back in. I don't know if we had a reference last week, so we did give you a break. Um, yeah. But that was a, But there's also news about the release last that's week. That's true. So. <laughs> uh, we are not talking about the latest Daniel Craig Vaughn film. We are talking about... Which we will never see. Which we will never see. We are talking about Muppets Most Wanted, which we have seen. Alex, mm-hmm. tell us more. Uh, it, it, the final uh, Muppet theatrical experience, maybe ever. No, <laughs> um, we'll see. Um, Muppets Most Wanted from 2014. I didn't realize it was that long mm-hmm. ago. Um, directed once again by James Bobbin. Um, it has an 80% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 58% audience score. Hmm. Which is tied with the audience score for Muppets from Space for lowest, which, once again, you can't trust audience scores on this freaking website. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna disagree with that one. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah, this is uh, and it's it, it's interesting with the Muppet movies because obviously it isn't a sequential um, continuity except for this and the Muppets. Yeah. Like these are the only two that like directly relate to each other all the others are sort of like yeah we're the muppets and it's characters it's like looney tunes or mickey mouse it's just characters in new scenarios so it's interesting that like oh this is the last one but it's it's not like this is the denouement this is where it's all been building it's like no this is just the most recent one they've made maybe they'll do another one who knows (laughs) right and if I remember correctly, this one didn't do very well, which is why we didn't get any more after this, which yeah. is unfortunate. But... Yeah, yeah, not as well. So, I think it was still, like, it's still liked, but the, the Muppets was this, like, they're coming back, you know, it's, here we go. And then this right. one was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> they're at it again. And then, um, is there a new show that's currently going, or what's the story with that? Yeah, because they did... There was a show called, like, The Muppets with a period at the end, or, like, Muppets Now or something. I think they're doing, like, sh- like essentially web shorts for Disney Plus or something. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't, I don't know. Cause the, the, I think they're still producing some amount of content. Gotcha. But not a, not a whole, whole lot of it. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. Um, so, who wants to do uh, best thing, worst thing? Uh, I can go. Sure. So, um, I'm going to have 
I don't I don't have like any really like passionately strong opinions one way or the other. I mean, I liked the movie, but I don't have like a this is my problem or this is my my whatever about it. So I technically have two worst things, but they're pretty minor. Uh, my best thing about the movie is that Sir Ronan is in it. <laughs> um, I mentioned uh, my favorite cameo was was going to be an obvious one, and I'm sure it was <laughs> for both of you when you realized that Sir Ronan was in the movie. Because <laughs> of course I love her; she's my favorite actor. Sure. And I remember when I when I saw the movie in theaters with my then girlfriend and my my family. My mom and I both like gasped when she showed up, and then no, there was no sound in the audience. So it's like, I don't know how we appeared to the rest of the world at that moment, but that made me happy. And my worst thing is that uh, Sir Sharona doesn't get to say anything or do anything or punch anybody in the shoulder, which are what's, what, what she's best at. Sure. And I was like, you like Christoph Waltz talk? You like Salma Hayek talk? Let Sir Sharona talk. Uh, but my my uh, another thing that I noticed. I, we didn't really talk about it a lot in the last movie, but many of the characters have been recast with, like, Frank Oz retiring and Jerry Nelson having passed and Richard Hunt having passed much before that. And I don't know if it was really obvious for you guys that a lot of the characters are, vo- are performed by different people, but obviously for me it was very noticeable. But the only ones like, – this time around, like, Janice and Scooter, I really didn't like how they sounded. Like, they just didn't – they just didn't sound like those characters anymore. Fozzie and Piggy and Rolf um, – Sam the Eagle, Floyd, Animal, like all those guys, they all still sounded like themselves. You could tell just there was somebody else doing the voice, but they still had that voice. But Janice and Scooter just didn't have the same voice anymore, and that kind of, like, I want to say it bothered me because I understand why that's the case, but, like, it stuck out to me, and I was like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as into all the, to that. But, you know, whatever. What about y'all? Uh, truth be told, I didn't really notice the sure. the voice changes all that much. I noticed it a, in a couple of spots with Miss Piggy. Yeah, and then I noticed it. I, I mean, I, I've noticed it since you know they whenever the switchover happened. I can't quite remember with Kermit. Right, like, right. That's yeah. I think the fact that we do have a doppelganger character only enhances that because now sure. I'm trying to hear how that when when Constantine is trying to uh, replicate Kermit's voice. Then I'm hearing even more of like, oh, it's not the original voice actor. Like right, I, right. I don't know. That's I I found all that really interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't. I, I didn't really notice it that much. Of course, yeah, yeah. And I mostly notice it because, like, again, I've been listening, hearing these characters and hearing Richard Hunt as those characters for my entire life. Sure. So it's easy right. for me to notice that it's different. But who wants to go next? I can go. <laughs> yeah. Do it. <laughs> um, you feeling foggy? Think... Go ahead and jump. <laughs> oh, uh, I I liked this movie quite a bit. It might be my second or third favorite of all of them. Oh wow. Um, yeah, I, I greatly greatly enjoyed this movie. Um, I thought it was really really funny. Um, the opening number might be my best thing about <laughs> them making fun of the fact that it is a sequel and it's they they preemptively strike by saying sequels are normally not as good which (laughs) if you go into a movie like x-men apocalypse which is actually trying to take itself seriously and they make that joke and then it falls flat on its face then that is embarrassing whereas if they do it here and it's all tug-in-cheek that's really fun yeah and then the movie actually has some quality to help back it up of course Mm -hmm. um yeah i I really had a good time the 58 percent on rotten tomatoes uh greatly confuses me um, not really sure 
what, what the deal is with that, and I'm not going to look because it's probably just going to upset me. Uh, I don't know. I, I just found it really, really fun, despite the fact that I feel like the movie theoretically is making more mistakes that the other ones did, like particularly in terms of the cameos, like making a bigger deal out of we're pushing, you know, famous yeah. uh, actors and, and personalities that, that you'll recognize. Um, I still thought all of that stuff was really funny. Me so too. I, didn't, I, I yeah. didn't really care. Yeah. No, I, um, I could practically have said my best thing was the cameos. Like I sure. found them, like yeah. the, the whole spectrum I found so much fun. Well, there, there's a lot of right. creative stuff they do with them too. Um, yes, the big, definitely. Uh, one of the big ones is Josh Groban. Um, mm-hmm. who is, like, in a box, and he occasionally sings during some of the earlier, <laughs> earlier uh, set pieces or, or songs, and then they let him out for, like, two seconds at the end. It's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me, I'm dying. <coughs> Your excuse. And dabbing. <coughs> One more for good measure. Um, I think in terms of a worse thing, Going along with the cameos. <coughs> Sorry, water went down the wrong pipe. I think I'm good now. Um, the way they treat Jason Siegel and Amy Adams at the beginning oh, sure. of the movie, <laughs> sure. um, I think is not really a, a good choice. I kind of feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna actively be like, we are literally starting this right where the last one left off, you need to have something. I know Jason Siegel, uh, you know, based on what you were saying last week, Britain, apparently he was like, no, I've done all I wanted to do with this and now I'm done. Yeah. Um, but still, it's, I, I don't like how that was handled and then the fact that they're never mentioned throughout this whole movie despite right. being pretty important in the last one, if you're gonna be a sequel to the last movie, be a sequel to the last movie. Yeah. And, that was the only instance where that really bothered me. Everything else in the movie, like, that is, like, five seconds at the beginning of this movie. That's my worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think that speaks to how strong I, I feel like the rest of the movie is. So, Yeah. Um, I genuinely don't remember what they do with Jason Siegel and Amy Adams, to your point. <laughs> so <laughs> They show the backs of... Uh, stand-ins for the two characters as the camera pans down to the Muppets that are standing underneath them, and then they're gone. Okay. That would be why I don't remember. And they're doing like, alright, that's a wrap, everyone. Good job. We right, did right. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which also kind of confused me, and I, I I shouldn't be complaining about this because <laughs> it's the Muppets, but also the... Wait, so they... If it's a sequel to the last one, but they're actually... It's a meta thing where they're shooting a movie, yeah. but... Yeah. And they, they paid extras off to be in the audience. Like, all that confused me, but that's... Yeah, at that's this point, it's like, that, that, that's what these movies do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think my best thing is going to be the human cast. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that this movie has a lot... Because instead of some of the other films we've had in this series where you've got somebody like Michael Caine or um, Tim Curry where it's like, this is like the person who is assisting with the audience having somebody to bounce off of. I guess Jim and right. Muppet Treasure Island also counts. Um, but basically someone who is like the consistent, a consistent main character who is also a human. Um, right. This one does a lot more smaller roles for people. Um, obviously the biggest one is Ricky Gervais, who I am shocked to say I, I quite enjoyed. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> but even, even then, like, he doesn't get nearly as much screen time as some of those 
previous human Muppet performers. Um, yeah. And then you've also got, like, Tina Fey. Uh, I had another example and immediately forgot it. Uh, Ty Burrell. Is that uh, Phil Dunphy? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the only way I ever think of him is Modern Family Dad. Um, mm-hmm. And there, I, I think I'm missing somebody else, too. I feel um, like I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think of who else like, I mean, this wasn't just a cameo. I mean, in general, like, the Gulag has... Uh, Oh Jane yeah, Clement Danny Trejo and Danny yeah. Trejo and uh, Ray Liotta. Ray again. Liotta, that's the other one who I saw and I was just like, "Wait, you're back!" <laughs> like, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> felt you needed to redeem Wait, yourself from Muppet Muppets from Space. Well, he got arrested for letting those bears and pigs sure. and stuff into the facility, <laughs> so they had to send him to Russia, <laughs> to Siberia. The U.S. Uh, famously on good terms with uh, yes, Siberian exactly. prisons. Um. <laughs> oh, that was the funniest part of the whole film. You get to the end, and, and Tina Fey and her Soviet guards just show up. <laughs> it's like, what are you What's doing here? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that the movie does a good job of giving a lot of different roles that are very silly roles that still work very well with the Muppets they're interacting with. Um, so yeah, I, I liked all of them. I, I don't know that there are any performances that I I found I did not like. Um, yeah. I, I mean, this is a hard movie for me to... I'm kind of in the same boat as Alex. I, I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, oh, for, oh, definitely. Uh, it's a hard one for me to think of a, of a solid worst thing. Um, it, it almost might be the part when uh, the guards show up. Um, because then we kind of resolve the film by having Tina Fey be like, eh, you guys love him. Okay. He's free to go, <laughs> which is funny. I mean, it, it works on a, yeah. on a comedy level. Um, obviously the movie is not trying to be like as emotionally impactful as something like Muppet's Christmas Carol. Um, sure. but, uh, there is a little bit there where they do that and then they go back to the gulag and they have a big dance set piece thing. Um, and it, it, I mean, I'm I'm really like fishing for something, but I just felt like, I, kind of from that point on, I was like, okay, we're done. I get it. Sounds yeah. good. We, we're writing the movie out, um, which is like literally the last five minutes of the movie. Um, not a huge deal, but I did feel like it, I guess it's. I feel like the Muppet ladder should have been the real like, we're done. We did right. it. Right. We saved the city. Um. And, and that they probably could have just, like, not gone back to the Google Log, even though there's a lot of fun performers left there. Yeah. Um, so that, that would be my only thing. I mean, it's and that's that's very little. Like, they, I mean, it's not a perfect movie, but there's not much that, like, drastically stands out to me in terms of, oh, this was the thing I wish they had done very differently. Yeah. Yeah, I think when we were talking about um, Muppet Movie to Great Muppet Caper, we talked about how Muppet Caper is just, like, a goof show. Like, it's mm-hmm. just jokes and jokes and jokes and jokes. And that's very much the case with this and the Muppets, which I, I think works to its to its benefit. And I think this movie works as just, like, we're just doing... We, ha- we have a plot, and plot makes enough sense mm-hmm. for what this movie is trying to do with it. And it's just a bunch of jokes and goofy cameos, and I think that works really well. And, like, I'm, I won't try to list all the cameos, because there are so many... But because it, it's like every scene, like the most minute roles, it's like, oh, someone's like, there's a UPS guy dropping something off. It's James McAvoy. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, um, the great escapo is Tom Hiddleston yes. during the, yeah. the, the, the talent show. Like it's, and I mentioned Sersha and like Christelle Waltz and which I, I would Celine love to Dion hear, shows up for a duet with Miss Piggy for sure. I would love to hear the phone call where they're like, Christoph, we want you to be in the Muppet movie. Well, I, I suppose I could see all my old friends. Um, I can't. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna check on because I, I really want to know if the next movie that was released of his after this was Spectre. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, there were a couple of oh, movies darn. released between. Mm. Um, Nobody uh, remembers Horrible Bosses too. Sure. Was he in that? Yeah. Oh wow. Oh well, and talking of Christoph Waltz, uh, Stiglitz from Inglorious Bastards is in this. Yes, he's like a, a German or a Russian like guard at one point. Miranda Richardson, like it's Tom Hollander, like it's crazy the amount of of people. Frank Langella, they just like pack into every scene. And it's great. It's mm-hmm. it's really funny. <laughs> what what is the line that Frank Langella has when they break the the window? Oh yeah, he's like oh that's only. 2000 years old or like he has so, something like that. <laughs> oh that's so good yeah you mentioned the uh the finale i i i loved so much the menomenon number in the last one how that incorporated the cameos this one just having the cameos uh, glue, like frozen to the wall with bad cgi was kind of iffy yeah but i really loved that they brought back together again from up take manhattan and just saying together again again like i thought that yeah, was, yeah. was 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 cute and fun um, yeah. What did you guys think of the music in this one uh, overall? This, this, the, our, all our songs. I I thought aside from a couple of numbers, it was fairly weak. Yeah. But I I I, I uh, particularly after uh, Muppets from Space, I like I, I'm still happy that we returned from yes. like doing doing the the non musical mm-hmm. uh, kind of approach. Um. And I really kind of want to go back and revisit Great Muppet Caper to be like, oh yeah, I appreciate this more now. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Yeah, I, I similarly, I, I liked the songs, but I don't know that there was anything that I was like, oh, that's a great Muppet song. So right. I was like, yeah, sure, that works. I think good job. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, kind of like Great Muppet Muppet Caper, where a lot of those are supposed to be big like show tunes rather than yeah. necessarily uh, a thing that will get stuck in your head. Um, right. I think a lot of the songs in this are really fun, uh, yeah. and they're not necessarily songs I will revisit. Um, but there's there's good stuff like like the one with the Celine Dion Miss Piggy duet yeah. thing and um, Ricky Gervais and Constantine's uh, duet number two song. Um, there were a few in there. Where I was like, uh, oh, this is this is good. This is mm-hmm. I, it is entertaining me, <laughs> even if yeah. it's not something like, that like works outside of the film. Right, like I feel that way about the interrogation song mm-hmm. that Sam the Eagle, which I love that Sam the Eagle's in the CIA and the joke where he and Ty Burrell keep going back and forth about their badges. Yeah. Oh, that was all pretty good, and I liked all the jokes about Ty Burrell being like, "Time for my eight weeks paid vacation." <laughs> it's two o'clock. I'm off. To, I'm, I'm done working for the day. What are you talking about? <laughs> also, Ty Burrell's car is quite good. Yes, um, he's so good. I need to get back on Modern Family. Um. Yeah, I feel like it's probably if, – if I was ranking the Muppet musical scores, it would be one of the weaker ones. But not because it's bad. Just like, oh, I don't like it as much as I do the scores for the Muppet movie and yeah, Christmas yeah. Carol. Like, that's not that's not an insult at all. Um, 
Yeah, it's funny how, like, I, this movie, I think, really just is not... I mean, I guess there's some emotion. Uh, I, here, something that I liked about this is that they consciously reduce the Walter element while they, while still, I, I think they balance it really mm-hmm. nicely because they clearly recognize like, look, he was the main character of the last movie. It's weird if we don't use him at all, but also we recognize that a lot of people felt like Walter was too focused on the last one. And I think this movie balances his usage really, really well. And there's a great joke involving Rizzo <laughs> when Rizzo's mm-hmm. like, where they're like, wait, Walter quit the Muppets. Did we do a whole movie where he's going to be, He's going to join the Muppets? And Floyd's like, yeah, we spent a lot of time on him. And they show Rizzo for the first time, and he's like, yeah, you know, it, uh, it's almost like we did that at the expense of beloved, long-standing Muppets who didn't get much time. Come on, Robin. <laughs> like, I think that is so funny. That got a big laugh when I, when I saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I otherwise thought that was... was Pretty, I, I didn't find Walter annoying in this movie, whereas a lot, well, as I talked about in the last one, I was like, okay, okay, Walter. Yeah, yeah. But in this one, I, I, I thought he was kind of fun. <laughs> and I liked that Animal was the one who knew the whole, knew all along. Yeah. Constantly was garbage. That was kind of kind of sweet. I like that it's it's Walter, um, Fozzie, and Animal who are like yeah. this squad that kind of, uh, well, that goes to get him from the gulag and turns things mm-hmm. around. Um, I think overall... This movie feels like a better execution of Great Muppet Caper. Like, I I remember talking about on that episode how I was excited because it was a movie called Muppet Caper. And Mm -hmm. it was not really, like, it was just kind of a meandering story and and the plot was not really there. Yeah. Um, Where this, I I enjoy the fact that, like, Ricky Gervais and and Constantine are... uh, you know, using these tour locations as an excuse to break into some convoluted thing. Also, uh, the the guy who provides the MacGuffins for the movie uh, such that they can then steal the crown jewels is Dead Tom, which is great. From uh, oh yeah, yeah you're right, uh, you're right, because they call him Colonel Thomas Blood or something like that. And there's a point where they find his bones and he spills out, and it's like the and I had to look this up because I was like, is that what they're going for and yeah it is supposed to be a reuse of his awesome. uh, build i guess um which is quite fun the movie has a lot of they, good references to the old stuff they do that there's uh i think blind pew is in the gulag at yeah. one point and there's a, a bunch like the cook in the gulag was one of the like there's a bunch of scenes in the gulag where there's like background muppet characters and like mm-hmm. that you're from Muppet treasure you were one of the pirates in Muppet mm-hmm. treasure island i remember seeing well, you uh, the the henchmen from the last one show up very briefly. Yeah, the, Bo and the wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bobo and Dudley are in there, and like, I don't. Know, I feel. I feel like there were well, Sweetums obviously, but I I, I agree. I, I like that they clearly remembered. Like, oh yeah, people know these characters. We, we have these characters lying around. We should use them. Um, how do we feel about about Constantine, um, our our froggy antagonist? I found him very enjoyable myself. Yeah, I think I think he's fun. I think that it's a good wrinkle on having somebody usurp Kermit, and uh, I, I really enjoy everything with him trying to imitate Kermit and become a little bit more yeah. like Kermit. And I like how he never just becomes Kermit; like it's it's right. a little more yeah. realistic. I guess you don't have to be realistic necessarily in, in a movie <laughs> like this, but. 
Um, I appreciate that. It's like, oh, he gets a little a little better at talking like Kermit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love the whole scene where he's watching old clips. Mm-hmm. And he's, he looks so silly just, like, sitting in this big chair going, Hi-ho, Kermit yeah. the Frog. <laughs> I thought that was great. This this movie did give us the the very infamous meme mm-hmm. of of uh, Emperor Palpatine Kermit <laughs> confronting normal Kermit. <laughs> there was a joke that I did laugh out loud at because you know he escapes from the gulag and blows it up and like walks away from the explosion, but then later he calls Ricky Gervais on the phone and then he blows up the phone. I'm <laughs> 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 looking away from it. I, I laughed out loud at that. I thought it was very very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, also so in his gulag escape there's like a tracking shot of him dispatching a bunch of guards in the hallway as it kind of goes across so the question is what has the best hallway fight muppets most wanted season one of daredevil or uh, old boy the park chan wook old boy (laughs) we're not gonna we're not gonna put rogue one in the mix is that too sci-fi oh yeah i was thinking specifically of like sidetrack okay like you, you see. see it from the side but yes also rogue one hmm. i i i almost want to throw a criticism at this movie in that case because it looked like it was a cg constantine through a lot of that it didn't look like it was a, it was you know puppeting yeah i'm sure it was yeah assisted by that and the fact that i i, I gave it a little grace for that because i was like oh you're re- you're doing an old boy reference okay gotcha <laughs> like that's what this is but uh, but yeah, there there was a lot of like there's less. I mean, there's still very impressive puppetry, but there's more like special effects yes. than in the previous movies. Where it's like there are special puppetry effects. Yeah. Uh, the answer to your to your uh, previous question was uh, Spike Lee's Old Boy, which <laughs> is famously a wonderful movie that everyone loved. <laughs> Never did see it. <laughs> The original is great. <laughs> Old Boy's a wonderful movie. Um, Let's keep it that way. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought Constantine is the kind of character who I could so easily just be so annoyed by and be like, oh, I, yeah. I get it. I get. Come on. But I found him genuinely very funny. I think they wrote him some funny things to say, and I thought I think Matt Vogel was the performer, right. and I think he did a, a really good job. Um, yeah, I think the key to it is just he's a funny character. Yeah. Um, because. I feel like if you if you told me what this plot was about and it's like oh some some uh, doppelganger takes Kermit's place and Kermit's in prison I'd be like oh that sounds do we really not have a better idea <laughs> when we we're sitting around our boardroom at Disney trying to figure out what to do with this franchise um, but it, I I think it's actually pretty pretty cleverly done and I think that the way that you know. I think sending Kermit to a Siberian gulag <laughs> is just so off the wall and, and crazy. And um, it can't help but be fun. Yeah, the fact that the end result of that is Kermit becomes the director for the annual gulag review. I think, yeah. th- don't they keep saying gulag review, please don't riot? <laughs> or something like right, is, right. is the subtitle for the, it's It's fun. It's good stuff. Um and I also I think it really helps Constantine that early on we see him uh, pass out and flop to the floor from stage fright, <laughs> which is oh, like yeah. a weird, silly flaw. It never really get like there's not a point later on where like he gets scared and that's how they beat him or anything like that. Like it's not really right, right. a particular like setup and payoff thing. It's just oh, this is a little character trait that you know yeah he he gets nervous. It's a funny gag. 
Uh, and then suddenly he seems just a little bit more human or frog human. <laughs> um, and so I think they do little touches like that that make the character feel more lived in. Um, yeah. That allow you to enjoy him uh, beyond just the, the plot elements. Definitely. And I really liked, I, I think that the Gulag stuff, again, could so easily just be a bunch of jokes we're familiar with, but I thought they yeah. pulled them off really well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's Tina Fey's a lot of fun, and I like that all of the three main humans got a song. I think that's cool that, like... Because Tina Fey's not a bad singer, and mm-hmm. I thought Ricky Gervais actually sounded pretty good. Um, so did Ty Burrell. But I really like The Big House. I think that's a fun little little number. Um, and then I really <laughs> enjoy in the review where... What the number that they use to disguise them tunneling out is just like a coal mining song <laughs> that's mostly like them doing like kind of hunky like dance moves going working in a coal mine going down 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 coal mine coal mine <laughs> and it's just like Jermaine Clement really leaning into it and I thought that was very silly and I liked that you know, we have the second Flight of the Concords guy having with Brett McKenzie writing the music and Jermaine Clements in there. I thought that's a lot of fun. Um, and, of course, Men in Black 3, our unanimous favorite Men in Black movie, um, star Jermaine Clement. Um, 3, 3. And, yeah, I thought that was really good. And I also like that they were all playing characters except for Danny Trejo. <laughs> And, which, but they only say, it's, it's like in the very background, as which I really love the joke that Tina Fey has, says goodnight to the prisoners. <laughs> and she's like, goodnight, Scott and Egg, goodnight, I don't know, crazy gangster name or whatever. Goodnight, Danny Trejo. <laughs> and he's, I think, the only one who says goodnight. I could be, or, or yeah. like there's some, there's some exchange there. It's, it's very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Tell you're going to say something. I, I th- it feels like I interrupted you. Oh, I just wanted to make sure we talked about that that joke because yes, that's it's a good joke. Uh, <laughs> it's very good. Um, the, I feel like I kind of reacted to this similarly to how y'all felt with Muppet Treasure Island, where I was like, I'm really enjoying this movie. And now two days later, I'm like, I don't remember a lot about the movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, I, I remember gags. Uh I think I remember a good amount, but it is a lot like Muppet Treasure Island and Great Muppet Caper, where when you have all gags, <laughs> there's sure. there's only so much you can do beyond saying, oh, yeah, I liked that. Um, yeah. I think for me, this one definitely, I, I've more wholeheartedly felt was a complete package for, and, and was funny from start to finish compared yep. to those other two or some of the other ones we've talked about. Um, this one, I think, works because... It's consistently funny. Yeah. The yeah. entire way. Yeah, and, and it doesn't really... I guess the biggest emotional angle it goes on is that Piggy and Kermit... Did they actually get married? No. And that's actually, no, I think, right. where I was coming from. I meant to say that as part of my, my worst thing. I had forgotten that that was another factor there, is that I was really hoping that that was where it was going to end, because it felt like the movie... Mm was doing a good job up to that point of making it feel kind of final. And I think if they had ended with an official sure. Kermit Piggy wedding, I think that would have felt more. Uh, and I guess maybe they, they were thinking about making more movies. And so that's why they didn't do that. Sure. But I think that would have been really nice if that was like a capstone, regardless of whatever came next. And obviously looking back in hindsight, where it's like now 
who knows if they're ever going to make another one. Um, I think that would have been really nice. And I was kind of mad because I thought that that's where we were going a lot of the time. Um, and I also kind of thought that was going to be a thing where you have Constantine and Kermit switching out. Cause like Kermit, mm. there's like a trap door in front of the altar, I think. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. So that was a thing. Uh, and I was expecting it to be like, Oh, Kermit's going to have to marry her to make this wacky hijinks work. He's going to have to like actually marry her um, in order to save the day or, or something along those lines, uh, yeah. which is not what happened. And so I was a little like let down. Sure. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Cause, and that also brings up the like Muppets Take Manhattan thing. Like, wait, was that – where does <laughs> that fit? I don't um... – <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's the thing that, that frustrated me was not so much the will they, won't they of it. It's, didn't we already do this? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I don't care if it's, it, you know, in this continuity or not. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We are we already had, like, a big set piece of, of the two of them getting married. Like, what what are we doing yeah. here? Um, it didn't bother me all that much. Sure. Um, but it was, it was just very strange that they made such a big deal about that. And I, I guess the assumption is... Well, how many people, especially the kids watching this movie, have seen Muppets Take Manhattan? Sure. So I, I don't know if that's kind of a factor. But then they have all sorts of references to the other movies. So I don't know. I mean, that movie is not for kids, man. Like, the Muppets, like, they're not for kids. They're for big adults. Like, look, I don't Britain, like this kiddie that was the Disney movie crap. That, that was the movie that deconstructed the Muppets, okay? Yeah. Like, I'd love to see a movie where Dr. Teeth's just shooting people. <laughs> no, it's, it's called it's called Doctor. <laughs> every every time they uh, just keep bothering Kermit incessantly, and he's just getting so frustrated, he just screams at them. If I wanted it, you'd all be dead already. <laughs> no, it's a it's a spinoff with Doctor Teeth called Bite, uh, and that's or maybe maybe Bite begins something like that, and and he's a vigilante. <laughs> who uh, goes around chomping people, chomp, chomping criminals. Okay. In my I, in my I, I, Muppets <laughs> universe, Dr. Teeth could bite a thug's head off. So, <laughs> there's that. I, I, now I want the, the gag video of Fozzie wearing the Batman Dark Knight Returns mech suit fighting Kermit as Superman. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the the Joker scene where he's on the talk show with De Niro and trying to figure out who the host would be. And Doctor Teeth is uh, what was his name? Arthur Fleck. Yes. Yeah. And he's sitting in there. <laughs> nah, man. You know what my favorite note is? What? Kill. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then he bites Robert De Niro's head off. <laughs> maybe, maybe Robert De Niro's like Rizzo. <laughs> I'm waiting for the punchline. <laughs> well, if I had a life, I'd hate it. Just end it all now. God save my little broken body. <laughs> and then Dr. Teeth just snaps. I keep doing that. I apologize. I keep getting Rizzo and Gonzo mixed up. Um... I meant Gonzo. Well, just remember, think of Gonzo like Gonzo with the wind, the joke he makes in this movie. There is also a bit... That was... I, I laughed quite hard at that. Um, yeah. I was going to say, there is also a thing where... Um, I forget what he calls him, but Constantine keeps calling Gonzo... Oh, Zongo. Zongo, yes. 
and I, yeah. I don't know why that was so amusing to me, but I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, and I want to say this. I want to say he calls him like Gosno or something yeah. later. Like you don't think he, I know he calls him Zongo, but like he never gets his name right. But I love that he does it so matter of factly. Like, what are you talking about, Zongo? It's just crazy. He doesn't go like Z Z Zongo. Is that it? That he just like delivers it. Yes. I think is very funny. Um. Yeah, good stuff. Bunsen and Beaker get a good get a good gag in this because we set up at the beginning of the film that Bunsen has designed a uh, bomb attractor vest, and Kermit's like, "Why would you ever want to make that?" And then at the end of the film, they actually use it to save the day because they figure out that the bomb is uh, Miss Piggy's ring, and then uh, I forget how did they launch beaker into the lake or river whatever it may be whatever they've got in britain i don't know yeah um moors i guess yeah locks uh fins and spinnies i i what i really liked there's this great little detail where they put a bow tie on the bomb attractor vest that was like Mm -hmm. had a blinking red light in the middle of it and i really loved that i was like oh bunsen did just design this literally for beaker (laughs) like the head is shaped such that yes. can, and it has a little bow tie on it. I was like, that's that's very good. Thank you, Bunsen. And I loved the joke that Bunsen has during the opening that we're doing a sequel where they're like, it's our first sequel. And then he's like, I don't mean to be a stickler, but it's technically the sixth sequel to our original motion picture. Yeah. <laughs> that opening is, Thank you, that is a that is a delightful it's really thing. Fun they're, they're pitching uh, different films and Fozzie just pitches the previous movie again yeah uh it's fun there there's a lot of little creative uh wordplay and stuff in the in the songs in this movie that i quite like mm-hmm. yeah tony bennett and lady gaga are in there mm-hmm. uh back when music used to be real music man i was born in the dinner. wrong generation i really was man i should be hanging out in the 2000s <laughs> listening to Three doors down? Nickelback. I don't know. Nickelback. Um, man, if everyone cared. <laughs> Nickelback. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know who was missing from this film? Robin A. Schneider. Has she gotten, has she gotten back to you? <laughs> oh, I thought you were, I thought you were in charge of that. Oh, uh, you were supposed to be then, the interview. Uh, who's interview. watching Alex? <laughs> we do need to. We need you to find find her socials. <laughs> um, <laughs> somewhere, uh, her agent's like, "Hey, so you're being talked about <laughs> on a podcast? Uh, I think you're having a moment." <laughs> So, so your your social media stats have gone up point oh 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 one percent. We need you to 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 jump on this. You got to capitalize on this. Yeah. So I guess get a TikTok or something. Um. Anyway, <laughs> we got that millennial love uh, reboot series to think about. <laughs> that where are they now special? I, I did want to point out one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Walter does figure out – and yeah, Walter's in the movie again. Um, at least he's not the main character. Um, I, I did appreciate Walter finding out 
Constantine's secret, and he's just like screaming and freaking out. And the first person he goes to is Fozzie. Yeah. And then they are, they both are like freaking out. That, <laughs> the gag where they're screaming on the train and everyone else hears them, and then just like goes back to their right. normal lives. <laughs> Fozzie, I found break. absolutely hysterical in this. Sure. Um, at, at the end of that interrogation scene, like. For some reason, I always like this visual gag where somebody's just, like, sitting in a room and they can't hear what's being said and they just kind of wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. That that was just really, really great. Yeah, I agree. I, I did notice that this movie and the last one had more, like, toilet humor. Not anything extreme, but, like, I think they say Poopenheimer in this and they, like, do fart shoes in the previous movie. And I was like, yeah. eh, it's not. This is, I, don't, I don't like this stuff anyway. But I was like, that's not really what the Muppets do. Yeah. But, you know, okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did also find uh, Fozzie quite funny. And I think, like, my biggest hang-up was simply that I could tell it wasn't Frank Oz. But that's also not, like, uh, Frank Oz didn't want it. Like, he's he's doing other stuff. He's retired. I think he's still directing. Like, I don't I don't blame Eric Jacobson for, like, doing a very good job. Right. No, no. At this point, Ryan Johnson had him had him trapped in a in a small, tiny room exactly. for three years. <laughs> yeah, I so, don't. So he could use him whenever he wanted for his Yoda scene in Last Jedi. And I don't know if Frank Oz came back to perform the puppet for Last Jedi, or if he just did the voice. I don't. I don't I, know. I want to say he did perform the puppet because I think part of the documentary, like Frank Oz, is showing Ryan Johnson how it works. Oh, okay, man. I think. It's been a while since I watched that documentary, but I He's think so magnificent. I, I can't remember. I sent you all a, a little interview with Frank Oz about Disney owning the Muppets. Did either of y'all get a chance to watch it? No, I, I didn't get the chance. It's he's he's very he's very diplomatic about it, and like because they ask him like, "What do you think about Disney owning the Muppets?" And he he says, "Well, you know, I don't really know how to talk about this without sounding like a purist and a dinosaur." He said I, he was very generous. He was like, "They they clearly love the Muppets and want to do the best. They just don't get it." Like. The Muppets are supposed to be anarchic. They're supposed to be like, screw Disney. Like, that's kind of their spirit. And these Muppets are cute. There's not as much internal conflict as there was. Like, it's a different kind of energy. So, like, he said, you know, they're still performed really well. Um, but it's just, it's it's not the Muppets that we were doing way back when. Which, to a, to a degree, I, I, I agree with. And it's like, obviously... He was there at the ground. He was the first person Henson hired to join, like, the team. He's literally there from the beginning. But at the same time, that does give him some types of blinders to it, you know? But uh, I found it interesting. I, I, I guess, I, I, by and large, I agree, but I also feel like there is still some conflict with the characters. But then I, having not watched, like, the TV shows that have been done under Disney, having just seen the two movies, like, I don't know what the, how they're handling the Muppets overall. I just know right. these two things, which I think they did fine. Like, and I said this before in the previous episode, the Muppets is a movie about the Muppets more than it is a Muppet movie for me, but it's not a bad thing. <laughs> like I don't, yeah. as, as much of a purist as I can be about the Muppets, like I could therefore be so angry at these movies and I'm absolutely not <laughs> like just not a big deal. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I don't know it's it's hard to look at it because I I feel like I I am missing some of the context just because I haven't watched any of the Muppets TV sure um so I'm I'm only having watched the movies and 
The movies have been fairly consistent in quality, but they've yeah. they've had their ups and downs. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't feel like these two movies are are that far off the mark from normal Muppet movie fare. Sure, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like for me, it's it's that like intangible. Like I don't know how to describe it. It just something's different, you know. In terms right. of quality, I do feel like they're around the same. They're around the average level, like right it, for sure. But yeah, there's just like something's different, but it's not detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, Ty- Tyler is deep in research. I have found Robin A. Schneider's Twitter. Um, okay. She is not updated since 2018. I hope she's doing okay. Yeah. Her banner is the photo from Muppets, the Muppets, with her. Oh, that's amazing. So apparently she's she's uh, happy about this. It, it was not a straight, oh, it was not like great. a one off like nonsense thing. And also, I found she has a website with her acting credits, and I did find proof that millennial love is a youtube series ah so in the ongoing saga of what is this random imdb entry that we've we've closed the book on that um and now we're getting to the point where i feel weird doing going going any further because now now it's just like oh this is a person uh, yes, no, certainly, yeah. So, not, and, ju- and I don't, I, I don't think we have said anything. But just to clarify, we're not making fun of this. Not, woman. not that we have the audience or power to dox someone if if we ever no, would no. want to do that, which we would not. But I'm just like, okay, I think we've, <laughs> I've, yeah. uh, I've, it's come full circle. I could, I could try and message her on Twitter and be like, do you want to join our in- or to interview on our podcast? Because we have nothing better to do. But I think we'll leave that be. Yeah. I feel like at that point it would become so ironic. It would it would seem mean. <laughs> and it's like, I don't have... We 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 got into a joke on an episode, and I don't want to turn that into, like, you know, wasting this woman's time. It is also uh, hard to look her up, because there's also an uh, author named Robin Schneider, um mm who apparently has written a book called Invisible Ghost, and it took me, like, a solid 30 seconds to realize that's not Beautiful Ghost, the Cats, Tom Hooper original song. Oh. Uh, so that was a little weird. And also Rob Schneider's showing up a lot. So <laughs> it's a little it's a okay, parsing but there. But we have cracked the case. We can, we can mark that one solved. Could we get the person who wrote Beautiful Ghosts, by which I mean Taylor Swift, <laughs> on the podcast? Taylor, I know you don't do a lot of interviews. You just do Instagram and perform. Would you be on our podcast and talk to me about cats? We just want to talk, talk about, about Valentine's Day. We don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to get into you know, Look, your you, music. You guys can ask her all the qu- cats questions you want. I have to ask about the rap and shake it off. That's <laughs> fair. You have used I, that for a phrase before. Alex fully comes in with like, so there's a lot of internal rhymes and the flow is kind of, it's, it's very Tupac. Like, are you more like East Coast or West Coast? Like, full, like all this knowledge that we never knew he had. And he's just like quoting Run DMC and like really getting deep on it. And he's like, so really like, is that, was that the influence? Like, at what point did you know when you wrapped with T-Pain for that country music awards? 
Look, I, I heard there were rumors that you reached out to the Beastie Boys. Are those true? Like, what, what was what? What's going on? How much did you have to fight for the rights to their song? <laughs> was any sabotage involved? Um, uh, yeah, Taylor Swift. We're we're also yeah. Why not? <laughs> You've become our new our new target for that for that sweet sweet. Here come the sequels interview spot. Congratulations. Come on down. You can also join D&D mm-hmm. and Robin A. Schneider for a round of I, D&D. I did also think, Britton, that you were going to ask if we could get Rob Schneider, and I honestly think maybe we could, and I don't <laughs> think we're okay. That's right, the hot chick himself is here in studio. <laughs> Rob, can I call you Bob? <laughs> now. My name is already <laughs> short, why do you... No... Or we get the, or we get the author, and the whole time I'm going. But how how can a ghost be invisible? <laughs> how do you? How or, at or what maybe point... maybe more? How can a ghost not be invisible? Like, isn't that the yeah, standard? A... Why is this unique? Spin this explain, for us. Sell us. Explain to me a poltergeist. <laughs> this is so stupid. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. Um, premiering in, in Tom Hooper's adaptation of Phantom of the Opera in three years, uh, <laughs> the, the, the new original song up for Oscar, uh, uh whatever, uh, adorable poltergeist. <laughs> I, okay. I, I think we can start making a podcast weekly where we pitch Tom Hooper movies, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll have one that's called like Graham King's or Tom King's speech, which is about the guy currently writing Batman giving a speech, <laughs> but he's nervous. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, I um, we can do another one called Dogs. <laughs> called old, well, we can have Tom Tom Hooper can remake old dogs. With was that John Travolta and Robin Williams? Only yes. this time it's with actual dogs. No, 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 no. He he would be like, no, not not only are we going to to have humans with like dog uh, CGI fur technology on them, <laughs> we're all, we're also going to resurrect Robin Williams to offend even more people. <laughs> This oh sounds like a goodness. good idea for a podcast. We should uh, we should get this going. Yeah, we'll call it Here Come the yeah, Sequels. sequels. <laughs> <laughs> so tune in next week when we are here with Taylor Swift, and it's totally not Joseph in a wig <laughs> that you can't even see. <laughs> yep, it's me, Taylor Swift. Hey, Taylor Swift, thanks for being here. <laughs> and then at some point we ask, okay, can you can you play a song for uh, for the audience here? And we just pull like a Spotify acoustic session. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just play that. Look, look, Taylor. Taylor, we remember the the time that you dated the other Taylor. You know, Lautner. Can you tell us any experiences he shared with you about his time on Twilight <laughs> or Shark Boy? You you dated the Shark Boy. <laughs> <laughs> you dated the Shark Boy. You, Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> you loved the Shark Boy. <laughs> You you wrote ballads for the Shark Boy. 
Um, I also like, <laughs> but I also like the idea of going. Can you think of something? And Joseph's like, "Sure thing." And you just hear like a guitar being like confusedly like. Love story, scarlet letter. <laughs> so Muppets Most Wanted is pretty good, right? Yeah, no, I yeah, it's a fun time. I really don't know what else to say about it because <laughs> we've only been talking about it for. 20 yeah, minutes. We, uh, yeah. Um, Real on topic today. Um, actually, I, I, I think I, I, I was going to ask this when we started the podcast. I'm putting you guys on the spot, so don't worry if I have an answer. Now that we've watched all eight theatrical Muppet movies, do y'all have a favorite Muppet? For me, it's somewhere between uh, Fozzie and uh, Gonzo. Sure. It might be Animal. It might be yeah. Animal. <laughs> Animal's pretty great. Because I still don't know who mine is. Like, I mean, Kermit, I love. I, also, I love Scooter. People drag Scooter, but I love him so much. He doesn't get to do a whole lot in the movies. But I love him on The Muppet Show. Um, I do love Beaker. Yeah. Oh, Beaker. I, I really like all of them. Except another one of my worst things in this movie was the horrible Kermit and Piggy babies. When it was like a pink frog <laughs> and a green pig. Didn't like them. Um, I thought it was cute. I I did I honestly was starting to tear up a little bit when it was the two of them and there's and, and they they look like they're older. Yeah. Oh, sure, like, sure. That was sweet. And and they've been made Which, up to look like they're they're in their like 60s or 70s and they're like sitting on a porch looking up at the sunset. I'm like, that is like the most adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Which is also why I was frustrated that they didn't end with like, all right, and they're finally married for real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I I did appreciate that the uh, the the good old uh, witch Kermit is witch scene. Mm-hmm. The way she tells is not by one of them giving her like the super heartfelt like I love you, I'll always love you, and of course I want to marry you. It's the uh, well, gee, I I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, that's my Kermie. <laughs> it's good. Um, do you want to go ahead and do grades and all that kind of stuff? Oh, that's it. It's the great that's, alarm. That's, that's the timer. We're, we're done. <laughs> yeah, Everyone do your grades. We'll sign off. Set the timer for exactly 54 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, <laughs> because that's that's when we need to start doing grades. Um, I'm going to give it an A. Which is tied for second. It's a three-way tie for second place in this franchise, I believe. Um, um, so, yeah. yeah just, just a quick running down the list or at least with the a range uh muppet christmas carol is my favorite with an a plus and this is tied with the muppet movie the original and muppets take manhattan so i'm gonna go a minus which is tied for third place for you with muppets take manhattan that checks out uh, I'm going to go B+. Plus. I feel like this and the previous movie balance out in different ways, but yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that. Alex, what are, can you rank my, like, what are my, how do I rank these movies going from like worst sure. to best or lowest to highest? All right. Oh, lowest to highest? Yeah. Um, so lowest would be Muppets from Space with a C+. Plus. Yeah. 
Then second lowest. Oh wait, that's Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> uh, then second lowest. It's a tie between Muppet, the Muppets, and Muppets Most Wanted. Sure. Uh, then it's a three-way tie between Muppets Take Manhattan, uh, Great Muppet Caper, and Muppet Treasure Island. Okay. And then you gave A pluses to the Muppet movie, the original, and yeah. the Muppet Christmas Carol. Okay, yeah, that 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 sounds accurate. What did I give Wonder Woman eighty four? Uh, you gave it a B. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, well, I'm really glad that we did the Muppet movies. It's such an interesting type of franchise. It's different from the stuff we normally do. And obviously, like, I have a great deal of personal affection for the Muppets, which I've talked about many times on this podcast. And we'll talk about in another episode of the podcast. They are they are literally woven into my, in my DNA and my soul. But um, yeah, it was great to share these with y'all. And I, it's something that it, sometimes I feel like the Muppets are – like, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. But I also don't think that if, like, the weakest of these movies, I think, is Muppets from Space, like, that's really not a bad, you know, yeah. average. Like, if that's as bad as it gets, like, that's a pretty good... Yep. You're doing all right in your in your movie franchise. Um, oh, man. Well, I, I just appreciate it because each one feels very different. And yeah. I, I kind of... It's we're so used to kind of these these super interconnected series of films where it's the continuity is so important, mm-hmm. even if they they kind of retcon and just forget things. Like it always seems like the continuity is at the forefront of whatever franchise we're doing. Sure. Um, for the most part, of course, there's exceptions, but it's nice with this one where it's just like every few years, up until the Disney films, every few years we would just make a movie and we'd make it about whatever we wanted. Like yeah. I, I like that approach. I think that's that's interesting and just kind of unique for a film franchise. Yeah, and you think about like character consistency. Like, does this feel like the same Kermit that we've been spending time with? And and I feel like the movies are very consistent with these with these characters for the most part, as opposed yeah. to event continuity. Yeah, as you said. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well then, let's we can hop into recommendations. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I so I have a teaser and then my actual recommendation. I've been watching uh, the Dark Crystal: colon, Age of Resistance, ah. the Netflix miniseries, the mm-hmm. prequel to Jim Henson's uh, movie from the eighties. Um, I'm halfway through it, so I can't do it. I want I want to wait until I finished it. But if we keep going in the direction we're going in, I'm totally going to recommend it. It's amazing. I love it. Hmm. The storytelling is great. The voice, the, it's a voice cast of celebrities, and it's ridiculously stacked. Mm-hmm. These Gexies alone are Mark Hamill, Jason Isaacs, Benedict Wong, Aquafina, Keegan Michael Key, <laughs> Harvey Firestein, and Simon Pegg. Um, sure, that's not counting Eddie Izzard and Lena Headey and Natalie Dormer and Natalie Emanuel and Ryan, uh, Taron Egerton and Ian Taylor Joy and Ralph Ineson and like I think Andy Samberg at one point like it's <laughs> crazy the people they get for this thing. Robin Schneider. Um, Robin Schneider. The real uh, interesting note is that the series every episode is directed by Louis Leterrier or Leterrier hmm. who made Inv- Incredible Hulk and the Transporter movies. Yeah. Um, and. Clash of the Titans and Clash of the Titans. So I have, I've seen some of his movies. This is he. It's so well directed. Like he's doing such a good job with Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. Um, I'll talk more about it when I finish it, and will likely recommend it. But for now, the first five episodes, big old thumbs up. Like the first two, 
the storytelling is all set up, but now we're really getting into the meat. Um, so my actual recommendation, I, I watched a bunch more uh, old movies this week, but none of them really like, like really hit that. Like I'm going to recommend this, so I'm going to dip into my my back pocket a movie I watched not too too long ago um, from 2019, uh, James Gray's Ad Astra. This is a an, another entry in the slowly growing subgenre of lonely near future space movies. Um, so like your gravity, your In- kind of the Martian, interstellar, your, uh, interstellar. Yeah, yeah, interstellar, certainly, um, midnight, the midnight sky, stuff like that. Uh, Brad Pitt plays an astronaut whose father, Tommy Lee Jones, um, has gone missing on this, like the other, like out, way out in the galaxy, like near Jupiter and Brad Pitt has to go and get him. And the whole movie has this beautiful haunting sense about it it's kind of alex garland by way of kind of by way of actually yeah i would say it's alex garland by way of christopher nolan i I would go that far Hmm. um in terms of like tone and style um it's it's almost two and a half hours like it's a long one and it's fairly like gently paced but uh uh it is a beautiful looking movie. The effects are extraordinary. The music is fantastic. It might be Brad Pitt's best performance. Like hmm. that's hard to say because he's been <laughs> he's been hitting a lot of home runs recently. Like this came out in the same year as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right. and he was easily my favorite performance in that movie. Um, but like he's so brilliant in this, and it's a very different performance. But the camera just hangs on him a lot, just watching him react and watching him think and he's so brilliant in it you've also got like donald sutherland and ruth nega and tommy lee jones show up for bits and pieces throughout the movie but uh it's it's a long movie it's kind of a slow movie but it's a very involving movie that manages to take a lot of very familiar things about fathers and sons and masculinity and being like a shut-off man that movies have done in so many ways for years but in a way that's i think a lot more interesting and a little more, not full-on indicting, but more like, hey, this is why you need to communicate more, and this is why it's better to curb some of these these impulses. Um, I just found it really beautiful. It's streaming on HBO Max, so add Astra. Yeah, I, I have that on my short list. I, I've been trying to decide when I've been in the mood to watch it. I think... Yeah. Um, friend of the podcast cecilia watched it and she wasn't the biggest fan of it so that, sure. that maybe is sure. kind of affected me wanting to watch it so soon but that that does all of that sounds enticing to me so <laughs> i definitely think it's closer to your sensibilities and i uh yeah and but it is also like it is very much a mood movie you have to be like all right i'm ready to pay attention and like be in this world Sure. It also manages to do to take a moon buggy chase scene and make it feel like Mad Max, like without by almost having like an absence of sound and dealing with like quote unquote real like logist like science in that uh, scenario. It's so tense and so exciting without literally being Mad Max, but like that's the closest comparison I can I can make. It's a really impressive sequence uh, that cool. I liked a lot. Yeah. You seen anything cool, Alex? Uh, I don't know if "cool" is the right word for it. I watched uh, "Pieces of a Woman." 
Mm. Oh. Vanessa Kirby and uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Uh, once again, I watched, watched it with a friend of the podcast, Cecilia. Uh, it's... I think you'll know if you want to continue with it after the first 25 minutes. Mm. There's a very extended opening um, of Vanessa Kirby's character giving birth. And it's... It just it, it's it's very realistic in how it's all played, and it, it almost feels like it's a documentary, but it's all like in one mm. shot. It's it's really impressive the way that's handled. And I'm not gonna give away what the movie's about. I don't know if trailers are, have already done that or if the synopsis does that. I recommend going into it cold, and it's it's a very bleak, depressing movie. I'll leave it at that. Um, but I found all of the drama in it really really compelling, and. Yeah, both Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf are both excellent in it. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just it's very different from most things that I watch, which I appreciated. And it's just, I don't know, it, it's a very interesting subject that the movie tackles from a, a very different way that I haven't, I haven't really seen anything like it. Um, uh, yeah, I've so heard yeah. nothing but good things about Kirby in that. Um, yeah. Ellen Burstyn is in it, right? I think so. Yeah, um, yeah I, I will say, I, I was slightly disappointed that Vanessa Kirby does an American accent. I kind of just wish that she stuck with her with her English sure. voice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sim- similar to what you said about Ad Astra, like that's been on my list for a minute. But it's like, okay, I know I'm gonna have to steal myself for this one. If you can make it through the first twenty five minutes, you can make it through the rest of the movie. It's really like, sure. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Cool. 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 That's awesome. Tyler? I uh, watched a documentary called I Dated the Shark Boy. Uh, <laughs> no, I, Which was shot by you? Shot by me uh, in the last 20 <laughs> minutes when I realized I did not have a recommendation. So I wanted to put that together. Um, no, I, I tried a couple of movies. Or I, I watched a couple of movies. Nothing that really hooked me in a way that I felt like recommending them. Um but just so I don't have, or so I have something for show and tell, uh, I do want to recommend the uh, comic book Batman Hush. Um, I had had this on my like to read list for a while, and I mean I I've read a, a solid amount of Batman in my life, uh, and I I think there are probably other stories I enjoy more. Um, but the reason I want to highlight this is because I think it's actually a pretty good introductory story if you're someone who has, like, never gotten into comic books but is kind of curious about reading some, you know, traditional superhero comics. Um, because, specifically for Batman, it does a lot of stuff where it, it references back events that happened in older stories that the... the uh, Issues were published, I think, early 2000 is when this came out. Early 2000s, uh, so like 2002 or 2003. Um, And I think it does a really good job of uh, balancing, kind of telling a narrative that is interesting and gripping, while also filling you in on a lot of details if you're not somebody who knows a whole lot about Batman. Um, I noticed that as I was reading it, I was like, oh, there's actually, there's flashbacks that are flashbacks to things that were created by this story, but there's also flashbacks that go back to events that happened to Batman in actual stories that you can go read as well. 
Um, so I feel like it's a really I, good entry point for reading Batman. Yeah, I, I remember that particularly for the Joker section. Mm-hmm. It kind of addresses like the biggest things that have happened between Joker and Batman. Yeah. Um, it is sort of an excuse for the artist, whose name is Jim Lee, to uh, draw a bunch of Batman villains. Uh, uh, Alex, we had, we had talked about this, and you had pointed that out or, or brought that up, um, which is fair. And also, he is—he—he's uh, not the worst by any means, but he does do some uh, female uh, anatomy mm. that's uh, questionable, <laughs> to say the least, um, and and some like craning around to give you like shots that are not a natural way to like draw a woman. Uh, right. It's a, it's a problem that is widespread in comic books uh, in general. And is something you kind of have to, to stomach. And I wish it was not, um, I don't, it's not nearly the worst I've ever seen, but there, that is an element with some of the female characters that I was like, Oh, come on, <laughs> we, we can do better yeah. than this. Um, but beyond that, I think the story itself is, is a good entry Batman story. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it. I like me a good a good Batman detectiving uh, tale. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I this is one of the rare times where I think all three of us have mm-hmm. uh, read the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I similarly remember remember I don't remember it. It's been a minute. I don't remember it as clearly, but I do remember liking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's quite pretty. Um, I I have some reservations about it. Um, particularly and for dinner, kind of. <laughs> Not today, but I do have reservations. Um, <laughs> Different day. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I do have some reservations about the story, particularly how the mystery plays out, um, ultimately where it ends up. But it, it is weird because it seems like a story that is ripe for being adapted as a yeah. movie, mm-hmm. like a live-action movie. I know they did part of the New 52 set of movies that leads up to Justice League Dark Apocalypse <laughs> War. They right. did a Hush adaptation, which is apparently very different, and I think... Mm. Hush ends up being a different character, mm-hmm. so it's they kind of go off in their own direction. But I feel like this this one in particular is very ripe for like if you wanted to start a new Batman series, this would be a good like introductory movie to be like, here's all the characters, and we've got this new villain. Like start there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought they were gonna drop Hush into Arkham Knight. Did they? Did is he? Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Because I remember playing it and being it's like... It's lame. Yeah, and I was like, oh, Hush. Oh, it's Hush. And then it wasn't Hush. <laughs> the, the the character who is Hush in the comic book, because they don't really do the Hush thing. Right, right. But the guy who... who or girl. Who <laughs> ends up being Hush. It's a mystery, remember. Um, does show up in Arkham Knight for like a brief side mission, and it lasts like five mm. minutes, and it's very, very unsatisfying yeah yeah just like most of everything in arkham knight aside from how it looks <laughs> i agree with that my uh, <laughs> my first exposure to hush was lego batman uh <laughs> because he's like one of the last super unlockable characters and i guess that game came out and then like because that was on the gamecube that oh, would have wow. been like i think i still have my playstation 2 copy go. of yeah. lego batman somewhere yeah. I, I think that would have been like 2004 or 5 probably so i get i wonder if that was like a i'm gonna stick this in there i'm gonna developer and this is a fun extra yeah, character yeah. Can randomly you, you know what the weirdest part about those games is like they're going for their own aesthetic or whatever and they're pulling from every which way and then they just use the danny elfman batman <laughs> theme and it's just like 
like you can't escape the Danny Elfman music in that yeah, game because yeah. the Lego games, like it just plays right. it on a loop. The, <laughs> so uh, it's just like ah! if, we're, if we're going down this tangent, I should point out that the sequel, Lego Batman Two, probably a subtitle, uh, uses. I can't remember. I also have that one. Yeah, it, it... Rick Wayne. <laughs> Um, it uses. I thought you were gonna say Brick Grayson. Brick. Grayson. Oh, that's better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that one does use the Superman John Williams theme um, when yes. you're flying around a Superman, and it also gets very repetitive. Yes, but it's an open world Gotham, and sometimes it's just really cool to, to be like, I'm just gonna. I am in the Batcave. I'm gonna get in the Batplane, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna fly around the city. Pretty neat. I have to make sure that I watch another movie that is two A words because last week I recommended Anchors Away and this week I recommended Ad Astra. So I need to do some research. (laughs) Have you seen American Animals? I have not, but there you go. There you go. Knock it out. I guess I gotta gotta do it. (laughs) It's quite good. (laughs) So I hear. Um, well, next week we are beginning a new franchise. Do we want to announce it? Do we want to surprise them? I think we can go ahead and announce yeah. it. Basically, right. we've been spending the last month trying to figure out what we're doing because HBO Max just keeps messing with us. Mm-hmm. It's it's like psychological warfare. Because <laughs> um, we want to do something with, with Kong versus Godzilla, which they, they're releasing at some point. <laughs> they keep switching around the dates on us. Mm-hmm. And then... The Snyder Cut is supposedly coming out in March. We don't actually know if that's the case, and we don't even know if it's four parts or if it's all in a movie. Like, we keep hearing contradictory stuff. So we're trying to plan around that. So at this point, we're going to try and go for something that's relatively short. Yeah. So we're going to go with the Oceans movies. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Which should be – we're not doing the Sinatra one. We're we're just doing the Clooney-verse. Yes. And I, yeah, HBO Max and Warner Brothers are kind of being like a saucy mistress where they'll, they'll show <laughs> us a little bit and take it right back. <laughs> Just a, a little tease and then they take it away again. I was thinking more of like a, uh, like a World War II ace pilot type situation or maybe like a Star Wars uh, fighter pilot situation where they're like, you're trying to line them up in the sights and you're like, I've got you. Oh, right. And then <laughs> barrel roll. Bam. <laughs> King Kong is yep. coming out a week later. Uh, it is what it and is. And we're just we're just sitting there, Woody Harrelson, waiting to go, woo! Because he's the most <laughs> iconic character to do that in those movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've never seen the Oceans movies, so this, I, this will be fun uh, getting in there, seeing some heists and some, some famous faces. Uh, well, thanks guys for watching all the Muppet movies with me. Um, yeah. It's been great yeah, having an eight-week birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if we're talking about the, the, the winners and losers of, of doing, like, our personal favorite franchises, I think you were the big winner, and I was not not the big winner. <laughs> I don't I don't know. We will see how the Godzilla and Kong movies go. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Tyler asked if we want, wanted to do those, I said, oh, we sh- I shouldn't have two birthdays in a row. <laughs> let's, let's let someone else have a turn. To be fair, I think Tyler was also a big winner for Fast and Furious. This is true. Mm. What I'm trying to say is I was the loser because I did James Bond. It does bear mentioning <laughs> no, that you are the I one. pushed my luck, and now I'm never getting no time to die, okay? <laughs> 
it does bear mentioning that you have selected uh, or been, been the uh, the pusher of oceans. Uh, so if if this, it's just four movies. Sure, it's not twenty four. I, I have actually seen them all, and they're pretty good. But yeah. if the we discover the oceans, if, the pusher of oceans, yes, um, by Rick Reardon. <laughs> If we discover that we hate these, then it's your fault. You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, we will, I'll work on the IMDb page. We'll get that going. Um, yeah. Apple probably got us. Mm-hmm. We're on the free version of Peacock. Um, <laughs> the free version of Peacock. <laughs> We're on Disney Plus if you pay 30 bucks. <laughs> we are we are releasing our own streaming service uh in which we illegally pirate uh the movies we're talking about and play have them up for like 2 days before get, they get taken down by DMCA takedowns. Um It's called Disney Plus. It's called Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you guys but, for that. But our our, uh, our mascot can be Tyler with Mickey Mouse ears. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm Michael Mouse, and <laughs> welcome to my... And welcome to Disney Globe. <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait to, for you to see all my friends, Daniel Duck and... Uh, silly, spoofy. <laughs> silly, <laughs> silly the cat. <laughs> oh, Yucko and Winnie Mouse, my wife, girlfriend, sister. I don't know. Um, <laughs> then we all get to play Phantom Hearts together. Anyway, I've been Britain. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. And Danny Trejo is having a good night.